Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our morning Bible study with the Day of Prayer. We're glad you could join us. But before we jump into the word, let's take a minute to pray, shall we? Mm-hmm. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord, and for your grace, God, and for your Holy Spirit that you send to guide us, Lord, and to teach us. And I ask that you will flow in this place, Lord, and minister to each person their needs, Lord, in that special and unique way that you do, God. And I thank you for our listeners and our partners, Lord, and the blessings that you're placing on them, Lord, as long as well as this ministry, Lord. And I just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Good morning to our continued study in Romans right now. And we're still in chapter 8. I hope everyone else is enjoying it as much as I am. But, um... So this morning, we are going to continue. And with that, can I get a volunteer to read in Romans 8, from verse 18 through 25, please? I will. All right, Charles. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and redemption of our body. For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Read that verse again, baby. Verse 24. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Mm -hmm. In verse 25, sorry. Oh, sorry. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen. Amen. So, as is our custom, we are going to open the floor up for to you so you can share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you. And of course, if there are any questions, please ask them. All right? The whole point and purpose of this is that we learn and grow together. All right? Yes. yes. So, who'd like to begin? Um, I guess I'll go. I found verse 18 interesting where he was talking about the sufferings of the present time. And Paul is both looking to the future, but he's also seeing the good in his situation now. He's Though he knows there is something better at the end, he's still able and willing to accept what is happening to him then. It's like if if we go somewhere. If I'm always thinking about what I want to go do later, I will never enjoy what we're doing in that moment. So Paul is enjoying both what's going to happen in the future, but he's also enjoying the Lord in that moment and how he be 
he is able to walk and go with the Lord. Okay. Anyone else? Mm. No, to what you were saying, the Charles. Um, verse 18 in Romans chapter 8 reminds me a lot of Hebrews chapter 12. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 2. And it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, this verse 3, against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Verse 4 says, You have not yet resisted to blood, striving against sin. So, not, not only is he finding the hope and the joy in what he's doing today. He's also saying, don't look at it so hardly that you become discouraged because there is trouble and or sufferings, um, in the current lifetime, but there's joy coming to us and the, the glory that will be revealed in us as he continues to go through this section of scriptures, talking about our, um, our physical redemption when we are reunited with the heavenly community, we, are, we have our glorified bodies. We meet him in the air. We're transformed in the twinkling of an eye, right? And yes. brought into that continuous close fellowship with no longer any time or distance separating us from the physical presence of God. Yes, he's with us and he's in us and we're one. But there is coming a time where the new heaven and the new earth and the people that are a part of that community are all restored together. So he's also talking about here, not putting too much mental anguish or letting yourself become discouraged because of the tribulations that you might face in the natural. And especially him as a, a believer, the suffering that he was going through was, was significant. So that's an encouragement for us that, you know, just like we look at Jesus when he was faced with being made the payment for the sin of the entire world and creation, he didn't spend his time going, but God, this is going to hurt. Now he had his moment where he talked to the father and said, Lord, I mean, you know, there can, <laughs> if there's another way, you know it. And, you know, I would, I would, you know, this is hard for me. I would I maybe like to consider that other option. But then he resolved and came back and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then he went forward and carried out what was assigned to him by the heavenly father. And he didn't focus in to the point that he became discouraged on what his physical body was about to go through. The brutality, the injustice, the unloving response, the disrespect by his own creation he didn't spend his time focusing on what was wrong and how it would make him feel but he focused on here is the plan of the father and this is what i see it is my good pleasure to do your will O lord this is what he has come for and he focused in on what god called him to and created him for versus on what he experienced at the moment mm-hmm. and just to to build on that honey 
there's um in Philippians, uh, Paul's letter to to the Philippians. In chapter one, he's talking about um, how our or Christian living, but also as this is again, we're still discussing in Romans the life in the spirit chapter, right? And he talked about Christ's triumph and getting his his will in line with the Father's will. Mm-hmm. And then as it relates to verse 18, right? The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, right? So we have to look at this a couple different ways, right? Because one, let's, let's remember, Paul wrote this before he had gone to Rome, right? This was his introduction, <laughs> getting to know him as, you know, and the things that, that clearly he was going to be teaching and preaching and talking about. But it was also how he lived his life, right? And again, this is the life in the spirit chapter, how we're supposed to carry it out. Well, in Philippians, he wrote that while he's in custody, right? Yes. So, so this is, he wrote Philippians some years later. But he, uh, he starts off in his Philippians 1, verse 12, right? I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Again, you, you see, along with what you brought up in verse 18, right? Or what he's writing about. It was okay to go through things because it didn't matter. It wasn't about him, right? Um, and yes, while on, and he continues on in verse 19, he says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And in verse 20, he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. So you see here, even in Paul, the same mindset, the same attitude that Christ had. It wasn't about the sufferings. He knew nothing could separate him from the love of God. And it wasn't about what he was experiencing in the flesh, right? We talk about Romans 5. And in Romans 5, there is a process. It's a refinement process for us. And moving forward and growing deeper in our relationship with Christ. And that is demonstrated by how we conduct ourselves, right? But he says it will also happen in this life. So again, like I just said, as we see demonstrated by how we conduct ourselves in conduct, how we live our lives. But as I look at this, he's also talking about hope. And you see him not just writing about it here in Romans, but in Philippians, you see that he is living it out, that even though he is experiencing hardship and suffering, and uh, Roman prisons were, were known to be brutal. Mm-hmm. So, no, it wasn't all fun and games. But it didn't matter to Paul. The only thing that mattered was Christ and preaching and teaching about him so that others could come into the same relationship that he had. And he says that in another place in one of the letters that he wrote, um, where he says, um, 
trying to remember how it was phrased exactly. Um, well, I'll say it in this way. So Christ also said in this way, like, I have come for this time, like for this purpose, right? So many of us don't always know or don't know the full plan and purpose that the Lord has for us in our lives. But to whatever it is, whatever end it is, whatever it looks like, it's all for the glory of the Lord, or it should be. It's about aligning our will, mind, emotions, everything with the Father's. It matters. This is the life in the spirit chapter, right? Our hope is not in what we have or as in the natural things that we have. Our hope is in the Lord, being led by his spirit. Mm-hmm, and what we have in him, which is Amen. the glory that he's referring to. Exactly. So yeah. That being said, who else has something they want to share? Uh, I guess I'll go. All right, promise. So first the Lord's talking to me about... For, wanted me to talk about verse 24 to verse 25 where it says for we are saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with for it with perseverance and Lois is talking to me about how it's important as Christians How with, how with hope, how sometimes people associate hope with seeing something's happening and how that's not the right perspective for a Christian. And how hope is what makes the Christian different from the rest of the other, the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. They're actually hoping for something, they're actually hoping for something that's happening, that's actually going to happen so where it hasn't happened yet yes what is that called faith there you go there you go sir it's faith changes the whole game does it not yes continue and how that separates Christians from every other religion Every other ungodly religion. And how they're hoping for something that's vain and empty or versus where it's Christian, you're actually hoping for something. You're hoping for something and you're using faith. Mm. And then we can backtrack to verse 23 where it says, not only that, but... But we also who are the who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And that right there just proves that proves that having faith is part of Christianity. And if you're going, Well, I know I'm not gonna get born again, so then that's not hope. It's it makes what you're saying empty. Okay. Mm. And you remember that faith and hope are different, correct? Yes. Okay. Tell me how that works. Uh, Can you explain to me how that works? Yes. Okay. Hope is just hoping 
What? Hope is practically just wishing something's gonna happen. Right, versus faith it's we're using using what the Lord's given to you and going, I know this is gonna happen because the word says so. Okay. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things to hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? Yes. So we need hope. First Corinthians 13 tells us these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Right? But the greatest of yes. these three is love. So hope is a God, a God-given attribute. It's, hope is important. It sets the target for our faith. Right? We need our hope. Our hope is that at the end of all of this, we will be restored to be with Jesus and we will get to go to heaven, right? He's going to come yes, back yes. again. He came the first time. He died on the cross and was raised from the dead on the third day. And now he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and is seated at the right hand of God. And there is another day coming where he will return to call us up, those that are dead in Christ first, right? To yes. meet him in the air and then call the rest of us that are living to meet him in the air and be transformed. And then we go back to heaven and then there's other things that happen. And eventually the new heaven and new earth come together, right? It's Satan yes. is, and the beast and the um, antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire, never to be seen or heard from again. But then there is joy and everlasting joy in his presence. That's what our hope is. Now, our faith comes behind that to believe that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and we receive salvation and we will enter into that. But we do need our hope. And God hope is not like the world's hope. The world's hope is a wish. Mm. When they say, I hope this will happen, there's nothing to it. It's a wish. But for a believer, our hope has to be firmly planted in Jesus Christ for it to do its job. But its job is not faith. It is its job is an aid and assistance to faith, but it's not a replacement for faith. So therefore, we do need hope, but it only the only way it becomes more than a wish is if it's planted in Jesus. Our hope is for him to fulfill what he promised, right? Yes. He's the only one who can carry and sustain our hope, our faith, or any expectation. He's the only one that can carry us. So making sure we have that in him. No, I'm just going to um, promise. What's, what's the opposite of hope? Mm. For me, it's hopeless. Right? To me, it's hopeless. Yes. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes. So I think this is important to understand. Help us understand those that are outside of Christ as well, too. Because ultimately, they are hopeless. Because we know they cannot deny the knowledge of God. So they know that there's something they could have that they cannot have. Because they've made a decision not to have it. So they're hopeless, and it reflects in all their decisions that they make. That's why when we see people make decisions, we just go, what are you thinking of? But from a hopeless mind comes desperation, comes all kinds of things. And that's why what we have to offer is so important because it offers hope, which is one of the most important things, as you just cited, faith, hope, and love. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're so important. You're still love is the most important, but they're important. Absolutely. They will remain when everything else that talks about prophecy, ceasing, you know, speaking another tongue, all of those things are going away. But these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. That's what we'll carry into the 
the heavenly realm with us when we're looking at Jesus and he's looking at us face to face. That matters. People may be listening to this um, recording at a time where they don't understand when this recording is being made, but this is being made in the second year of the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now more than ever, we have a world filled with hopeless people. And that's why they're surrendering and they're giving in to the fear that the enemy is continuing to pour amongst them. And it's so important for us to understand where that comes from, where that mindset comes from and why they're allowing it mm-hmm. and what we have to offer them that can cast that out. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Were you done promise? Yes. I'm going to jump over to 21 just for a second too. All right. I had never considered in, in the fullness of it was just seeing that, um, that creation is under mm-hmm. bondage. Mm-hmm. It'll be released from that as well, too. Mm-hmm. So just so kind good. of a neat thought process that, you know, as wonderful as creation is that we get to experience. I mean, we, you know, we wake up and see beautiful sunsets or we in the evening we see these, the beautiful sunset or the moon mm-hmm. rising. And we've had uh, several beautiful full moons the last few nights. They're not totally full, but just been gorgeous mm-hmm. evenings and mm-hmm. the weather's crisp and seeing leaves change and all the beautiful things of nature. And we, we're not even getting close to there's more glory in that nature to be revealed that would be revealing God's glory. So mm-hmm. just kind of neat to think about. Just nice, mm-hmm. nice thought. That's all. Absolutely. Um, I want to continue with what you said there, Promise, and, and our discussion right before that point, Dean, of faith, hope, and love, right? And I bring it up because verse 24 makes it very clear, right? We were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Right? That means you already have it. You have already received it. So why is there a need to hope? And then we talked about faith, right? There's not. That's a rhetorical question. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There's not. There's no reason. Right? Mm. Faith, and we've, well, we've defined it. I'll say it's defined clearly in Hebrews 11, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And also in verse 3, right? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Uh, and in verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. Right? So you see in here faith and hope working together. And uh, I believe it was Wigglesworth who talked about three aspects of faith. Administration, operation, and then lastly, manifestation. And um, it's not as the world would view it of, well, if I speak it enough, it'll come to pass. Right? As in, then I'll be able to operate or function in what I'm, what I have faith or what I'm hoping for. So you're not Jiminy Cricket. Exactly. When no, you this wish isn't. Upon a star. No, there's a, there's not a. <laughs> this is a motivational speaking. Okay. You know, uh, speaking into existence type of thing. It's not any of that. No. But in what Wigglesworth is saying is, if you truly believe what you are saying, right? I have this thing. The Lord has given me this thing, even though you don't yet see it, as in the last step, right? The manifestation part. Then the operation 
aspect, the second step, if you will, will happen simultaneously with the first. As in, when you hear something different or believe something different, right? How you function, how you operate changes. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. But if you don't believe it, it's clearly going to continue and stay the same. Right? And you, you I'll give you an example. Um, in, uh, and you'll have to turn there, but you can look it up in your own time. Luke 7, 1 through 10, and Matthew 8, 5 through 13. Right? Jesus heals the centurion's servant. And there's a very interesting thing because um, clearly the centurion didn't even feel he was able to approach the Lord, but had uh, some of the, I believe, Pharisees. Or, um, there were some that went to Christ on the centurion's behalf. So you see intercession there. Other Jews. Other Jews, yes. Like, Thank you. Jews go and, and speak with them. Exactly. On his behalf. So you, you see in there... And an element and aspect of intercession, and, and he wasn't the centurion wasn't even going for himself. He was wanted to receive from Christ healing for his servant, mm-hmm. and he he clearly see his faith right. And so Jesus, of course, obliges as he does, and he says, "Okay, so what are you asking?" I'm paraphrasing this. Like I said, you can you know look at it in in scripture and get exactly what it says. So I'm going to paraphrase the story here. And in there, the centurion says, hey, all you have to do is say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And what was Christ marveled at? That he had not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Exactly. His faith. And he hadn't seen that, as you just pointed out, in all of Israel. But here is someone who clearly was a Roman, who knew and understood the power that Christ has. And so all you have to do is say the word. And he knew his servant was going to be healed. So for us that are in Christ, and this is, you know, a question that you have to answer on your own, where is our faith? Where is that kind of faith in our lives? And and I mean in everything. Either Christ is bigger than everything and he created it all and he gives us what we need before we even know we have need of it or do we truly believe that that's a question you have to answer for yourself and you know even the the centurion him saying speak the word only wasn't the first time that wasn't the start of his faith being shown exactly he came boldly before the throne of grace he he came expecting that God would do something, like a knowing on the inside of him that God would hear him and heal his servant, that he could actually make that petition and that request. Because most people wouldn't even have showed up. They wouldn't even have asked someone to ask for them. And the fact that he asked the Pharisees was a sign of respect, not timidity, mm-hmm. because he was a Roman. He could have just barged in there and gone straight to the front of the line, yes. you know, give somebody a, a quick sword uh, butt to the head. Not, and, not timidity, but... He was humble. He humbled himself. Right. I so said he was not. Oh, okay, He did yes. not come in timidity. Thank you. Yes. Like, oh, will you please hear me? No, no. <laughs> no, because and him asking the, the Jews to talk for him was a sign of respect. Absolutely. And not timidity, but humility. Exactly. That he was going, yes, I could come up here by my, my red cloak. And the fact that I'm a Roman means I automatically get front. You're going to talk to me, Jesus, whether I want to or not. He could have come that way. He could have tried that. 
but it meant that he understood God and humbled uh-huh. himself and came under the anointing and the authority that Jesus had, but the also the boldness and confidence that comes with, you love me, God. Absolutely. That would, and the Lord was like, you understand. It wasn't just him going, oh, I know authority and I understand that because many people stood before him with authority and under authority and all of that, but him to know that God loved him and to come into that way, to come to him boldly, which is how he tells us to come with confident expectation that he loves us and he'll give us good gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and one last point, right? What are we hoping and waiting and what are we demonstrating our faith for, right? In verse 17, right? It talks about how we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, mm-hmm. right? That if indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together, right? We were in Philippians already. Well, Philippians 3, uh, verse 20 and 21 says this. Well, actually, even first chapter 4, verse 1. I'll read that section of scripture. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the mm-hmm. Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you to do that to exercise your faith. The Lord created all. He is bigger than all. What do you say? Before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. Nothing, right? John tells us very plainly, nothing was formed that didn't come from him. That wasn't spoken by him. He's able to do exceedingly and above all we can ask or think or really even imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's just put our hope in him and our faith or trust in him. Mm-hmm. And watch what he can do and will do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's close there for today. And uh, with that, can I get someone to uh, volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for giving us something to base our faith base our faith on. And Lord, I also just thank you for just coming into our midst and staying there. In the name of Jesus, Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. listening to a day of prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.